Is this frequency in use? Welcome to Southgate Vibes, a selection of the latest stories direct from Southgate Amateur Radio News. I'm Steve Richards, Golf 4 Hotel Papa Echo, and in this podcast, you're going to hear my personal picks of what is happening in amateur radio and the wider world of communications. Whether you're just starting out in ham radio or an experienced operator spinning around the spectrum for those rare and sometimes strange signals, I hope you'll find something to entertain you here. Welcome to Southgate Vibes. A very good day to you, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to podcast number 122. I sense that Christmas will soon be upon us, and no doubt you've already submitted your list of radio-related goodies to Santa. I had quite a nice early Christmas present recently, which was the arrival of a batch of QSL cards. QSL is one of the many Q codes still in regular amateur parlance, and it means, formally, I confirm receipt of your message. A QSL card is postcard-sized and usually has a nice colour picture on the front, with details of the contact you've successfully completed on the back. When you make an amateur radio contact, you can fill out your own QSL card and send it in to your country's card bureau, where it is then delivered, either within your own country or, indeed, anywhere in the world. It's a free service, so it can save you a lot of money in postage. And of course you then eagerly await for a card coming back from your correspondent, although sometimes it can be years before it shows up. QSLing is the traditional way of confirming a contact, but these days there are a number of online confirmation systems. Being fully digitised, and with modern logging programmes internet linked to them, such facilities can of course offer almost entirely automated confirmation within a few seconds of your contact. But I have to say that I'm still one of those hams that really enjoys receiving the actual cards. The batch I received recently had cards from many world locations, and the pictures on the cards are really attractive. I have clear plastic holders on the walls of my radio shack, and I move them around from time to time so that I can enjoy again all the contacts I've made. Despite the march of all things online, I do rather hope that the traditional bureau will continue to survive. OK, let's start with a happy occasion. It's nice when the radio amateurs in two countries formally recognise each other, and that's just what happened recently between Finland and Iceland, reaching out the hand of friendship across the chilly waters of the sea to the north of the UK. The National Amateur Radio Society of Finland, SRAL, has presented Iceland's National Society, the IRA, with an engraved Morse key to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the IRA's foundation. Eric, Oscar Hotel 2 Lima Alpha Kilo, presented IRA chair Jonas Tango Foxtrot 3 Juliet Bravo with a gift from their sister organisation in Finland. The gift was received in a ceremony on the 16th of December. The gift is an engraved KBX 380 Morse paddle key made by a well-known Finnish radio amateur Tapio, Oscar Hotel 1 Kilo Bravo. 
The gift was accompanied by a letter from the Secretary-General of SARL, Marker Oscar Hotel 4, Uniform India, in which he extended sincere greetings to Icelandic radio amateurs on their 75th anniversary. On behalf of all Finnish radio amateurs, he congratulated their dear friends in Iceland. Marker said that Icelanders have a special place in Finland's heart, and when they meet, they immediately find a connection. Courage, independence, and perhaps a little stubbornness, along with a good sense of humour, are qualities that unite the two nations. As the pandemic now prevents them from having a more substantial event, they could only hope to meet soon, to celebrate together in a larger group. Marker wished their Icelandic friends all the best, many good contacts, and excellent telecommunications conditions. The IRA chair thanked Eric for his warm greetings and said that he accepted the gift on behalf of the association with pleasure and thanked the kind recognition of the society members in Finland to the members of the IRA. You can read more at tinyurl.com forward slash IARU hyphen Iceland. It looks as though a much sought-after change to spectrum licence regulations in the Republic of Ireland may be coming to fruition. Like many other countries, the National Amateur Society, the IRTS, believes that there is value in having a licence which has a lesser requirement than the full amateur one, allowing new hams to get a foot on the ladder and get on the air as they start their journey of self-education in the wonderful world of radio. ERA currently only has a single class of amateur licence, but in a consultation response document released on December the 17th, the Irish regulator Comreg says it will introduce a lower-level licence. The document, called A Response to Consultation on Comreg's Draft Radio Spectrum Management Strategy Statement for 2022-2024, covers a number of matters relating to the amateur services. You can download the document from www.comreg.ie and the amateur radio-related issues are on pages 50-57. to Comreg said that taking into account the support expressed for entry-level or novice licensing and the strong justifications given, Comreg will seek, in the timeline of this strategy statement and subject to resources, to put in place a framework for novice licensing in Ireland. It's envisaged that to achieve this, Comreg will need to consult on its proposals, make new regulations with the consent of the Department of Environment, Climate and Communications Minister under Section 6 of the Wireless Telegraphy Act 1926 as amended, and tender for an external party to run any examination that may be required. At this time, Comreg would consider if that examination is best offered online and, as a consequence, could be taken at any time. The response document makes use of the terms entry-level and novice-level as though they were interchangeable, but as far as CEPT is concerned, they mean completely different things, and it is unclear what Comreg are meaning when they use the word novice. CEPT entry-level refers to a basic licence requiring about 8 to 10 hours of tuition. CEPT Novice Level is a much higher level licence that is equivalent to the USA General or the UK Intermediate licences. You're listening to Southgate Vibes with me, Steve, G4 Hotel Papa Echo. We'd love to hear from you. 
If you have a comment or a question, pop us over an email. Our address is vibes at southgatearc.org. That's vibes at southgatearc.org. You never know, we might feature your message in a future edition. Well, we stay with licensing for our final story this time. We've reported in the past on the seemingly never-ending shambles that seems to accompany the changes which are taking place to amateur radio licensing in the Falkland Islands and nearby locations such as the British Antarctic Territory. The Falkland Islands licence changes appear to be almost complete and they do feel a bit settled now. But the British Antarctic Territory arrangements, which are now under the jurisdiction of a different body way back here in the UK, are less well formed. The latest iteration of the proposed licence for this far-flung corner of British land seems to contain major omissions. The question is, are these omissions made for good reasons or are they merely an oversight? Well, it looks like a lot more consultation is still needed to find common ground between the licensors and the licensees. The British Antarctic Territory, the BAT, is administered from London by the Polar Regions Department of the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office. They recently announced plans to administer an amateur radio licence for the Territory. Note that no licence has been available there for the past two years. A surprising feature of the proposal is the amateur bands they plan to allocate. It would have been expected that they would copy the amateur frequency schedule issued by the Falkland Islands Communications Regulator, who administered amateur radio licensing in the British Antarctic Territory prior to 2019. But instead, the Foreign Office have excluded many of the amateur and amateur satellite service allocations. For comparison, a list of the Falkland Islands amateur allocations can be viewed at www.regulatorfi.org.fk. Just go to the Spectrum section. Inexorably, the Foreign Office proposal for the British Antarctic Territory excludes a part of the 24 GHz band and also the entire amateur and amateur satellite service allocations at 2.4, 5, 10, 47, 76 GHz and above. You can see the allocations proposed by the UK Foreign Office at britishantarcticterritory.org.uk. In contrast, Germany permits the use of these bands at their nearby Neuermeyer 3 Antarctic Research Station. For example, the 2.4 and 10 GHz bands are used extensively by amateurs for contacts via the QO100 amateur satellite transponders, which under the current proposals would be denied to British amateurs operating on the same landmass. Well, that's it for this time. You've been listening to Southgate Vibes, stories about amateur radio and the world of communications from Southgate Amateur Radio News. You can find these stories and many more daily reports at our website, southgatearc.org. Don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch by sending an email to vibes at southgatearc.org. So until next time, this is Steve Richards, G4 Hotel Papa Echo, signing off and wishing you best 7-3.